Welcome to Psyched at the Movies, where we're going to be starting off with one of the classic movies that I love, and it had to be this movie because if you can't laugh at yourself, then you aren't going to be very happy in life. So I decided to put my money where my mouth was and go ahead and start this movie out with exactly the one that makes fun of psychiatrists, which is the movie What About Bob? And so we selected that one simply because of the idea that it was so much fun. This was actually the movie that uh, when I matched into the psychiatry residency program that I wanted, uh, my wife and I here, we actually watched this as a celebration and found it to be such a wonderful, fun way to uh, celebrate uh, that matching. And so as we go today, that's what we're going to be doing. And so uh, today we have as our guest, April, my wife, and it's going to be a lot of fun to be able to see exactly what's going on with uh, these two people. And if you haven't seen What About Bob, this will be a fun one for you. So go ahead at this point, as you likely know, uh, the idea is once we finish with this introduction in a few seconds, pause the movie, pause this uh, podcast, go ahead and watch the movie, and then come back and finish the podcast after you've seen it. And uh, that way you'll have all of the insights and the things that we had, as well as maybe some different points that stuck out to you. And so uh, in the meantime, get your popcorn, get your drink, and let's uh, enjoy the movie. And we'll see you right back here, right after you uh, watch the movie at your place. The right movie has the ability to use psychology to inspire our dreams, calm our anxieties, touch our heart, bring us joy, and create many other wonderful emotions. Movies can be fun and healthy ways of taking a temporary break from life so that when we return to our responsibilities, we have a little more energy and optimism. The movies that speak to our emotions do so by tapping into our unconscious mind. They fulfill some of our greatest desires and fantasies through a mix of real life and an imaginary world. The parts that portray real life emphasize things that are generally comfortable to acknowledge, while the things that make us uncomfortable are portrayed through imagination of how convenient it would be to avoid the difficult parts of life using humor or raw aggression. This combination is generally fun, healthy, and generates strong emotions in our unconscious mind. By becoming aware of the psychology behind the movies, we can recharge our emotional batteries while concurrently incorporating life lessons that result in us becoming better versions of ourselves. And that's where the Psyched at the Movies episodes of the Mental Health and the Good Life podcast series can help. In this podcast, you can incorporate valuable life lessons while enjoying the movies. So get some popcorn, pour your favorite beverage, and go to the best seat in the house. You're about to use the magic of the cinema to have some fun while learning how to live your best life. This is Psyched at the Movies. Well, welcome back. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed that movie as much as we did, and there's going to be a lot of fun things to talk about. And so the format that we're going to go here is we're actually just going to start out with uh, letting our guest jump in first and uh, kind of tell us some things that stuck out to them, and, uh, and we'll just have a discussion to talk about that. So April, right out, right out the gate, what's, what's something that stuck out to you that, that uh, you'd like to discuss here? Um, I, okay. So the first thing I wrote down was the psychiatrist who referred Bob to Dr. Marvin. He talked about how he was free. And it made me think that it really is tough to be around needy people. So, and then um, 
the next thing I wrote down was he had to go to the 44th floor <laughs> to see Dr. Marvin. And rather than do the uncomfortable thing of walking in the elevator and quickly getting up there, he walked 44 floors. So it was like one discomfort for another, like which one's less? And we're going to see that theme repeated throughout this this whole movie. They, they repeated that theme, which on the first one, um, y y there is truth in that. When, when let's, let's take your first point there uh, first, and then the second point second. And with that first point, I really loved what you had to say there, because as you look at it, Bob Wiley had clearly overwhelmed his initial his initial therapist and the initial therapist if you if you saw it he was getting out of the business he was calling he was desperate and you know that's that's something that uh, d directly applies in real life there will always be a group of people that are incompatible uh, some pay, some people will be operating on a maturity level that is at a higher, more sophisticated level, and they, they cope with things where they have healthy conflict resolution, they'll talk it out, they'll work through it. Other people won't quite be there. They're still growing to reach that level, and, and it's not always age-dependent. And those people uh, oftentimes are very frustrating for those that, that are caretakers because the people who aren't yet able to self-reflect are going to be the very people who don't see how their behavior over and over creates the same problem that they're dealing with. And so, as we see, it was clearly that, uh, that caretaker in this case, which was the psychiatrist, um, uh, which uh, we could get into on another podcast, how inappropriate it is when you get that enmeshed with your patients and the reasons you wouldn't want to do that. But for this case, it can be a huge relief when that finally happens. Any, any parent who, who has had a child who doesn't seem to want to reflect and talk, through, uh, talk about it and learn where they can improve and they just keep wanting to do the same thing, expecting a different result, my goodness, sometimes even though they miss them, they have mixed emotions, which are, I'm finally free. Mm -hmm. They now have to go and they're going to learn from life's hard knocks exactly what I've been trying to teach them. And so right off the bat, we can see the writers of this brought in some real life truth mm -hmm. that every parent or every person that's trying to mentor somebody has experienced. So mm -hmm. wonderful, uh, wonderful thing there. Now, the second thing you talked about, which was, which was wonderful, and this is going to be one of the recurring themes, was we notice that in this, in this movie, different characters are at different times traded temporary comfort and the cost was long-term success. Mm -hmm. And so we see that, Bob, right off the bat, you mentioned it. Instead of the temporary discomfort of riding an elevator, he took the long-term pain of having to walk 44 floors. And of course, <laughs> it was absolutely hilarious the way they did that. And he shows up there uh, in the office and, and is just out of breath and his secretary's looking at him wondering what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what went for, through your mind as you saw him uh, get to the top of the 44th floor there and, and walk into the, uh, into the office? It's just absolutely ridiculous. Like, why would you choose that? Yeah. <laughs> so when, when Bob came up into the lobby and he sat down on the, 
sat down. T tell us what you noticed about that, please. So there's two chairs and then a little table. I, maybe there's a lamp on it. He sat on the little table, just squished right in there. Like <laughs> he could not be bothered to sit on the chairs. The the <laughs> writers of this of this movie, I have to give them a lot of credit because they took this this individual and they make him one of the strangest uh, odd ducks that you could possibly find um, out there. And it's, it's absolutely hilarious how everything about him is completely quirky and, and outside of what social norms would tell us should be. And so that, that's a very, fun, a very fun way that they did that. Mm -hmm. He's very resourceful and he manipulates the phone service. Yeah, so, so as we talked about, um, inside, inside the, uh, the movies, the thing that makes it funny and that makes it fun for us is that we get to have a little bit of, re uh, of reality, something that's real, mixed with the fantasy world of what we wish we could do without the consequences. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in this one, they do a great job of showing Bob, but then they, they secretly fulfill one of our fantasies, which is, I wish I didn't have to keep all the rules and then I could yes. still succeed. And in this case, they let that play out through the imagination with Bob. And so we get to ignore that what he actually did there would have been criminal in the real world. Mm -hmm. um, and he would have actually probably been arrested for trespassing. Um, everything Bob does there to manipulate, we see it and we laugh at it. What's the psychology behind why we laugh at it? It's because when we're younger, each of us have, while we're maturing, a, this secret wish that everybody around us has to keep all the rules so that we can predict what life is going to be like, but that we have an exception to break whichever rules we don't find to be convenient. Mm -hmm. And so in this case, that plays out with Bob and, and his... Uh, and his actions there. You notice how many different times did Bob do things that would actually be very, very uh, terrible and that we laughed about it. And, they, and we, the reason we laugh is because unconsciously we all have this secret desire that we could do that. And so we, we count them anyways. First one you said was to sneak in, lie to the, the answering service and go ahead and and still get everything you wanted with no consequences. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Impersonating someone else, yeah, so an authority figure. He impersonates a, a detective, which that would get you into jail. He, he uses false pretenses to then chase down his doctor, mm -hmm. which would not only, not only would that get you in there, that would be a sign of somebody who's very dangerous. And actually you'd see restraining orders as well as protective uh, actions taken. <laughs> this wouldn't be a joke. We laugh about it because all of us have wanted somebody who, somebody who has uh, ignored us, even though they may have deserved the interaction with us. They, they owe it to you and they ignore us. And we all have this desire to be able to say, you don't get to ignore me. I'm going to compel you or force you to interact with me. And so we get to play out that fantasy mm -hmm. in, through What About Bob? Yeah. And he does that. Um, and then, uh, you know, he, he has multiple times there where he, where he is just straight up dishonest. And you notice what we do with that fantasy world is we just accept it and laugh about it. 
And the truth is, if you did that in real life, that, that would not be it, but we're able to use humor. And so there's one of the good things for us to recognize. That's the humor part. It's okay that we laugh at it. It's okay that we do that because we should be recognizing that would be out of bounds in real life. Mm -hmm. But, but uh, yeah, the, the, and, and the names, the names is something that, that you had mentioned earlier, too, of the people. Talk about the names that you noticed. So Bob Wiley, the, the, the word Wiley is like sneaky, or um, I guess what is the definition of Wiley? I, I would say kind of sneaky and silly. Um, and then Dr. Marvin's kids, uh, Siggy, like Sigmund Freud, and then Anna is the daughter. Sigmund Freud has a daughter named Anna, who was a who was a, a renowned psychoanalyst and and uh, huge in the in the psychiatric and psychological psychological sure. community. And so it's it's the the writers were very clever in, mm -hmm. in naming them. And you notice. Uh, did anybody notice that that figure, that bust of the person? Mm -hmm. it, if you didn't notice, that is Sigmund Freud. And so yeah. they, they multiple times, and Sigmund Freud's bust, if you notice, it started in their home, it makes it to the, to the uh, cottage or the cabin on the lake, mm -hmm. and at the end, the last scene, it comes blowing up and lands. Oh, that's right. Right next to, feet. right next to them after the house is blown up, and so, <laughs> and there's a lot of there's a lot of symbolism right there, which was, um, I love it. Which the writers geniusly took it and said, "Hey, let's let's take this to the extreme." And what do we learn about anybody who takes a single interest to an extreme? to where they are unbalanced in the rest of their life. Well, you can tell that they, they took the psychological, the psychoanalytic part to an extreme mm -hmm. in, in this case with, uh, with Sigmund Freud and the psychoanalysis. And, so, mm -hmm. and you saw how it destroyed Dr. Marvin, Lee, uh, Leo Marvin. Mm -hmm. Totally. What else did you notice in, in this? Um, okay, so he's riding on the bus to go to meet up with Dr. Marvin and by the time he gets there he's alone in the back and everyone's quarantined basically they're in the front and it just made me think like they're distancing themselves from his craziness yeah and, and predictability and that that's something the writers did a great job of and you wonder if the writers uh, themselves are are feeling like they're they're unique individuals who kind of struggle to to make social connections. I don't know anything about these writers, but, but if they don't, they, they have great insight. If that's not their personal experience, they have great insight, which is, um, you know, eventually people who don't adhere to the social norms that the rest of society uses to be able to predict how to interact with each other, they are isolated. And they can come up with many reasons, but the very difficult one, and we notice at this point, Bob doesn't have a clue about it, and they're reflecting mm -hmm. real life, which is, he doesn't have a clue. It's his actions of being just so odd and unable to socially connect and, and reflect back the social norms and live within them while still being an individual. That inability is what causes everybody else to not want to be near him. That's why they're at the front of the bus and he's at the back of the bus. And that's mm -hmm. a good lesson for all of us. We want to be individuals, but to be an individual as a mature person requires us to say, when do I need to adhere to social norms? 
And when can I be an individual that's unique? Because if we, if we don't understand that balance, we're not going to have social connections, which is a major part of not being depressed and anxious. And, mm -hmm. so, and so we see there, they wisely showed that real life principle using the bus. Mm -hmm. and, and it was hilarious, very hilarious. It was perfect. Um, okay, so then Bob meets up with Dr. Marvin at the uh, little grocery store and um, Dr. Marvin sets a very firm boundary says, I, I never see patients on vacation. And then Bob pushes and pushes. He says, gimme, 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 I need, I need. And, and he breaks him down and he gives in. And so there is the very beginning of Bob seeing what, what is it gonna take for me to continually break Dr. Marvin down? And he they broke did a, his own boundary. They did a great job of that because this is what, uh, what is realistic. Every, as I work with, with many people in life, what we see is the child who is struggling, whether it's addiction or other you know, things where they cannot function as an adult, what we see are thousands and thousands of times where they were broken down by a persistent child. Mm -hmm. and, and we see this with adults too. And, and the reality is, they, Dr. Marvin right there, once again, the theme we saw, he traded temporary comfort mm -hmm. for long-term pain. That temporary discomfort, if he had just said no and I'm calling the police, well, the first thing was he would have ruined the movie because we would have missed out on so many <laughs> fun things. But the reality was it led to, and they show a reality in life, which is it led to much larger problems that he was no longer able to solve himself. Mm -hmm. And he did that by enabling that. Mm -hmm. He allowed Bob to do that all because he didn't want to hurt his feelings right at first. And there has to be, when you are a person in authority, you have to be willing to see the long-term consequences of your actions and make the decision to do the thing right then that is going to lead to the desired outcome and not make your decisions based on avoiding temporary discomfort. Mm -hmm. And so they do that and they, they then take it to the extreme mm -hmm. in this case. Very, <laughs> very funny. I absolutely love that. Mm -hmm. um, very astute observation from your, your, uh, Thanks. your, your point of view. Uh, okay, so then in the diner, he's waiting for uh, Dr. M to call him. And uh, the, is it the Gutsmans? Is that what their names are? They own the diner and he's, he, then he starts playing the victim. Oh, he won't see me. And they said, what? You won't, they, you know, we'll take you there. But uh, I just thought it was interesting. He then played the victim to get what he wanted. Yes, and we see this in, in immature individuals. Mm -hmm. uh, one, of the, one of the keys there in maturing is we start to understand what we have done and our part in the problem. And an immature individual will not be able to see their part. It's always there, black and white. I am completely a victim. I can't see my contribution to any of this. And when somebody points it out, they will generally lash out mm -hmm. and run away. And so in this case, a very astute observation. And, and why, did, why did they write that in there? Because many of us have a part of us that is still doing that, where mm -hmm. we don't self-reflect and we can see that. Mm -hmm. And unconsciously we say, yes, and how wonderful would it be if 
I could get what, what I want and still be able to then blame the person who's holding healthy boundaries as the aggressor, mm -hmm. as, the, as the person who's, who's the abuser, if you can. And they will often claim exactly that. And anybody from the outside has seen it and going, this just does not make sense. There is this person that you are blaming is actually the person who's doing the healthy thing. And they're actually a victim of your manipulation. Right. And Bob did just that. I'm going to push, push, push because Dr. Marvin didn't put a boundary and say no. And if you keep pushing, I'm going to escalate this to a different authority mm -hmm. um, instead. Um, he would have done that now in real life. Uh, any, any competent therapist would have said, not only are you, are, are you not going to stay here with my family, I'm going to get the police involved, but you are no longer a patient of mine. I am, I am terminating this relationship because yeah. it is unhealthy. Yeah, and and sure. that would have been necessary. But, <laughs> you know, the movie wouldn't have worked without nope. that. <laughs> um, okay, so... He's, his problems start to normalize a little bit. He takes a little ride with Anna to go sailing. And that's like the first time that you see him not use a tissue to touch something. Um, and then they start talking about problems like she has problems just like anybody else, you know. Um, and then he uh, later tells Siggy uh, about sailing. And he's so proud of himself. And he's like trying to connect on this like younger maturity level. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this, is, this is neat that you, you caught on that because this was a transition point psychologically for the writers of this movie. Mm -hmm. What they had done is that that was the point where they transitioned from the imaginary world where you can cross all of these ethical and legal boundaries and have no consequences. And here they crossed into starting to show real life lessons. Mm -hmm. And we notice the part of Bob that we would want to adopt. And this is where we, we really get, it may have started earlier to where you start becoming enamored or, or really connecting with Bob. And because we all have some of that quirky wishing the rules that we don't like didn't apply to us, but that the other ones should apply to everybody else and they don't have a choice. We're the only ones that get to decide which rules do and don't apply. Right. And, and having that unfair uh, lack of balance in, in rules. Um, but then it transitions here into a thing where we're going, this is good. I need to incorporate this in my life. And, and that was the first one where, where what did we watch happen? with Bob at that moment. He suddenly stops doing the, the pushing and, and uh, blaming everybody else for his problems. And in the car with, with Anna, he suddenly starts self-reflecting. Mm -hmm. And that's why we, we get enamored with Bob from that moment on. And brilliant writing from them. Brilliant mm -hmm. writing. They're, they're now psychologically hooking us unconsciously, and now they're allowing real world to show us, see how great he is, and mm -hmm. we, we can just breeze past all of the laws that were broken and the yeah. inappropriate things he did. It's fine. But in the car, he does a wonderful thing where he starts saying, hey, there's, there's some gray area here. There's two sides to everything. So you notice the shift at that moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So another shift is that um, after Siggy dives, then Dr. Marvin comes running out and he does, he does two, he starts acting immaturely and emotionally. 
he runs through the bushes, which is just what Bob had done before, and then he pushes Bob in the water. And um, so he's very, he acts immature because he's emotional, but he's starting to like, I don't know, trade places with Bob. Yeah, and that's, that's what they did very, very uh, wisely in their writing. Mm -hmm. And they really do, they take it. And so now that we see Bob, and they're applying the life lesson here, which was Dr. Marvin had multiple times up to this avoided temporary discomfort by not putting a boundary. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing the consequences of this are starting to impair his ability, Dr. Marvin's ability to enjoy life. Mm -hmm. So we're starting to see the consequences of trading temporary comfort for long-term pain and the long-term pain is starting to come. He's missed out on being able to have that satisfaction of helping his boy connect with diving. Mm -hmm. um, and Bob, who has now, we're ignoring all the, all the unethical things he did because uh, we need to in order to laugh through this. Yes. But now suddenly Bob is confronting his dragons. Mm-hmm. And he's taking the, as Jung would say, the Jung, uh, the, the hero's journey and he is slaying his dragon and we watch suddenly Bob start to enjoy all the wonderful things in life that everybody desires. And we watch him connect. And in fact, if you watch, he helps pull Siggy up as he's coming. He didn't, he didn't go and live at that level. He went, met Siggy there, and then together they're both growing. He's helping him grow. So it's that's really, true. it's really a, they've taken now and we're switching back into real life. And so that's, this is a real fun part of the movie as he does this. And I'll have to admit, absolutely hilarious as we're starting to see the making fun of the psychiatrist mm -hmm. who seems to know it all and mm -hmm. and we're seeing that okay so at dinner dr marvin tries to reestablish a boundary with bob by saying call me dr marvin not leo in my home and um and so he's trying to reestablish his authority as his doctor yeah, and, and, and that one's very funny because um, the only place that you, that first off, it's uh, anytime you're doing psychotherapy with somebody, uh, this is hilarious because it would be inappropriate to have them in your home. Yeah. It, it, you, the, the rule in psychotherapy is, is any competent psychotherapist is going to know the second you accept somebody as a patient for psychotherapy, you no longer get to be even friends with them. Mm -hmm. It is a professional relationship. In fact, uh, the malpractice insurance even says, have you ever dated or had a romantic connection with any past patient? That's how serious it is. Um, number, uh, number one reason that, that uh, mental health providers lose their license is inappropriate relationships with patients. Mm -hmm. And so it would be completely inappropriate. So once again, we're ignoring some of the obvious things, mm -hmm. but since Dr. Marvin has allowed what we call boundary crossings, they allowed a, an exception to the rule before, mm -hmm. he can't stop that train once it's gotten going. His mm -hmm. relationship now can, it's very difficult to ever change the relationship from one where you are permissive of boundary crossings yeah. and that's one of the reasons that you can't get going now in this case there's another major thing that dr marvin does there it would have been uncomfortable of him to set his kids down and explain to them and his wife why it's inappropriate to have a 
personal relationship with a therapy patient. But since he didn't do that, the family doesn't know. They're not trained in psychoanalysis or psychotherapy. No. And so they just see a guy who's fun. And well, he tried for a minute, but he didn't get into it. Remember, he said, family conference, family conference, nobody's going to have him inside the house. And they said, what? And he said, okay, good, or something. Yeah, you know? he didn't explain That's it. it. He yeah. didn't help them to understand. And so no. we see, once again, that would have been uncomfortable because it could have led to the question, well, then, Dad, why didn't you shut this down and get him on the bus immediately back at the country store? Mm -hmm. Why did you agree to a phone call at 4 p.m., mm -hmm. which was a, which was Dr. Marvin waffling, not holding that boundary. Mm -hmm. And so we're starting to see, <laughs> the, and of course they take the consequences of this to the extreme. And yeah. I love it. This is what makes it so funny. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's something purposeful about this, but it's it, it was just funny when Dr. Marvin, it's raining and he has that outburst about how he can borrow my slicker. The lightning in the window right behind him immediately. It, it was just really funny. <laughs> yeah, they, they did do that. And, and the, the reason that, that that actually is deep psychological genius by these people is generally the people who benefit from the person that is crossing boundaries and acting inappropriately will gang up on the authority figure that's trying to do it. And so you can see the family here. All of them are wanting this boundary crossing, which is Bob, the patient who should not be in their home. Well, he's fun. Mm -hmm. And he's taking away the authority, the authority figure, which is Dr. Marvin in the mm -hmm. family. And they just get to play. Mm -hmm. And which of us do not want to just play? And so the writers fulfill an unconscious fantasy, which is if you would just let me play instead of forcing me to deal with the responsibilities of an adult, Life could be so much more fun. And we all see these people that try it that way and then they complain about how life is unfair and it because things don't turn out. Sure. Well, they're playing off of that unconscious wish, that unconscious fantasy of being able to do it. And so you saw how even the weather punishes Dr. Marvin, yeah. that authority figure who's making us do the thing we don't want to do. Yeah. And so you can see now they've once again shifted at that moment to making Dr. Marvin that authority figure that none of us like, whether it's the boss at work or whether it's a, mm -hmm. uh, an ecclesiastical leader while we're trying to grow or whether it's a parent or a spouse that's, that's trying to get us to meet them at their maturity level, it doesn't right, matter. Right, he's like sort of the villain. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. and, and that's a way we get, to, we get to play it off and the villain, becomes, uh, the villain becomes demonized even if it's in our unconscious through a, a movie, which is what we all wish would happen to that person that makes our life more difficult. Even if they're pushing us to become better, we don't have that understanding yet. Okay, mm -hmm. you ready for this one? This one's a little deeper. So Bob has a sleepover with Siggy and Siggy is a very grown-up child. He talks about death. He talks about, you know, things going on in the world. He's wearing black. He's very adult-like. Bob is very childish. Um, so you've got the grown-up child and the childish grown-up. And in this sleepover, they help each other to assume their appropriate role. Um, by doing Tourette's together, it helps Siggy to get to be more of a child and um, the diving helped Siggy to be a little more grown up. Yeah, they, they once again, in order or, to make yeah. this scene work, they had to have a huge 
boundary issue that we completely ignore. Mm -hmm. And that is, you meet a patient who you know is mentally not there, and they then stalk you up to your lake house. <laughs> and they ignore every boundary you've put in there, and you're going to let them then have a sleepover alone in a bedroom with your child? Uh, yeah. Okay, so once we've <laughs> overlooked, that serious like asking for bad things to happen. Mm -hmm. Once we've overlooked that, this is a hilarious scene. Mm -hmm. But can you see how the writers really, really were sly on getting us to overlook the clear and present danger that any mature person would see. Right. And you're clearly living in, in an imaginary world where this is not just sending up red flags everywhere. Given that, it's absolutely hilarious. And, and my favorite part in there is when, when he says, I'll be quiet. And Siggy then has a very astute and mature joke and says, holds up two fingers and says, I'll be peace. <laughs> and so, and we all laugh at that. What a wonderful thing. And they're showing there at that point, Bob really does start to show he's having growth. And they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're showing us that hero's journey where he is now confronting. And the cool thing with it was, if you noticed one of the trends that these writers were doing was Bob was always willing to take good ideas and consider them from any source at all. Mm -hmm. Whether it was a child in Siggy, whether it was from Dr. Marvin, whether it was from Faye or Anna, mm -hmm. or even the, the store owners, he was always incorporating and self-reflecting and getting new ideas in there. And we watch him in this scene grow into a more mature person. Whereas Dr. Marvin from the get-go is unwilling to self-reflect and unwilling to take anything into consideration from any source other than his own knowledge. Mm -hmm. And we get to watch it. Now that is a true statement and they're wisely mixing the fantasy world with a true principle here. And that's one reason that that one sticks out so much to us is it is a real point where Bob now is starting. And if you, if you remember, even from the get-go, they give Bob the advantage of being willing to incorporate it. When he leaves that first initial appointment at the first of the movie, mm -hmm. how does he get down from the 44th floor? He screams all the way down in the elevator. It was uncomfortable, <laughs> but we see Bob was willing to endure the discomfort to grow. Mm -hmm. Dr. Marvin was not. And, and genius, genius yeah. writing. And it's you can true. see this is going to be a huge lesson. Mm -hmm. So then you have a little bit of a parallel. Bob on the bus was separated from all the group. Now there's a photo after the interview, Dr. Marvin separates himself from the group and he doesn't join the photo. Which, which is... Which he does to himself, he, he could have done that. Yes, and the key there is, many of us in life do this to ourselves and we don't realize it and we somehow, once again, say, I am the victim. Mm -hmm. And there are parts where, yes, you've been wronged, but there's a big difference between I am completely the victim, which is what Dr. Marvin takes on, mm -hmm. versus I had a part in this. Right. And so once again, the life lesson that we learn is always be willing to consider any source of information. Doesn't mean you're incorporating everybody's, but the truth that they do is you should be willing to hear it and consider it and get both sides of any situation mm -hmm. before reaching your conclusions. Marvin doesn't do it. Bob does, and you're watching Bob grow to the point that 
to keep going. We're, we're seeing this build towards something. <laughs> this, this is the principle that they're building towards in this sure. whole movie. So Bob was a victim in the beginning with the Gutsmans. Now, Dr. M is the victim. He gets car trouble. He gets um, every, the mud splashes on everything bad that happens in that little outing he does. He's like, oh, stupid Bob. He just blames Bob for everything. And, and he comes home and he's so grouchy and it's all Bob's fault. So, um, I did, I also thought it was interesting that Bob only left the house finally when Faye and the kids asked him to go. Dr. Marvin had asked him over and over to leave and finally he left when they asked him to. So there are two things there. The, the first one, let's do the second one Kay. first because why was it that Bob would not leave when Dr. Marvin had asked him to? Because he waffled, and so he figured he'd just waffle again. His words meant nothing because he'd waffled. He'd yeah. allowed boundary crossings. And we see this with, I see this a lot when I'm doing family therapy with parents who have waffled, and then they wonder why their kids don't listen to their words. Yeah, exactly. And it's not hard to tell. But the second one there was, this time, they were allowing us to have a little bit of empathy and sympathy towards... Dr. Marvin. Mm -hmm. How many of us in life does it feel like the old saying, when it rains, it pours? Mm -hmm. Not only is his family starting to reject him and that he can see that Bob is absolutely crazy and nobody else can mm -hmm. and he's feeling alone, but then on top of that, he gets a flat tire and that's not enough. He gets splashed in mud, all to make him look terrible at his big event mm -hmm. like tell me this is just that's comedy at its best where it's taking a real life thing which is man when it goes wrong it seems to really go wrong in the largest way mm -hmm. and what does bob do he innocently goes there and dr marvin it's all piled on from every source and mm -hmm. dr dr marvin you know uh, in this case we can see that he caused each of these things sure we can see yes, that he had a part in it he can't see his part in it at all mm -mm. No. Um, okay, so then the, okay, so back to the very beginning, their first meeting in the office, um, Dr. Marvin tells him, he says, oh, you know that quote where the best psychiatrist is ourself or inside of us or whatever the quote was. And Bob, oh yeah, I know that quote. So at the end, um, I guess all throughout the movie, but the end he has death therapy. And then he's always yelling, oh, is this isolation therapy? And, oh, this is a vacation for my problems. Or is this a radical new therapy? All these therapies, right? So he actually ends up treating himself. And so that quote at the beginning comes full circle. And he actually does uh, and, help himself. And what was the thing that allowed him to help himself in the end? They hit this over and over throughout the theme of the whole movie. You tell me. It's that he was willing to incorporate and self-reflect with each yeah. possible source of information he received. Yeah. And he was able to piece it together. And, and this will be the theme that they were really using to connect you. And then you can see all the imaginary things that they used to then get your emotions Right. To really make it funny and laugh because we laugh at things that are absurd. And it was clearly absurd, all these exceptions to the rules. But mm -hmm. the bottom line was the overall, it's this was imitating Carl Jung's hero's journey, mm -hmm. which is start 
taking on the things that are hard for you. Mm -hmm. Learn how to overcome them. And when you do, life is only going to improve to the point that at the very end of the movie, the one who would not self-reflect is Dr. Marvin. <laughs> and he, he ends up almost disabled, vegetable, in a chair. Catatonic. Just catatonic. And then you see the difference, which is Bob is marrying his sister, right. becoming part of the family, fully growing, functional, becomes a psychologist. You see them in the end, they even complete that to where Bob comes out and he's successful using the very therapy and the, the, the death, death therapy. therapy. <laughs> and so we see that. And that really is the hero's journey. Can you take on that dragon that is, that is scaring you and kill it? And then face your second dragon mm -hmm. and your third dragon. Mm -hmm. In my book, Conquering PTSD, this is one of the major themes that helps people overcome this. And so you're seeing how this movie was wonderful that way, but while poking fun. And, it, and one of the reasons it pokes fun, if you get to the deep psychology behind this movie, we all have this wish that our... We all have the wish to not self-reflect. And the basis of not wanting to self-reflect is... It can't be me who is wrong. Mm -hmm. It must be everybody else. And in this movie, we get to work with the fantasy or that imaginary situation of it is the psychiatrist or that authority who is wrong. I've been right all along, and it just needed time for them to be wrong. Mm -hmm. And so we get to play out that fantasy. But the, the reality is um, that is a fantasy most of the time, and, and we have to be willing to self-reflect and and incorporate any truth from any source in order to grow to our true potential. Mm -hmm. And we see that with Bob and how much did he overcome. And of course, the, the wonderful acting of uh, Richard Dreyfuss and Bill Murray uh, makes that one of my favorite films that uh, <laughs> I've ever seen. And, and personally, it makes it there. And, and the last thing there was that you've mentioned was the, the death therapy. And that is the reality because uh, Christianity, most, in fact, most religions, as well as most psychoanalysis will also tell you, there is a mourning process. As we let that child die off and we become an adolescent, mm -hmm. and we, we go into adolescence, I, most people can remember when they quit watching cartoons. Yeah, or you and, stop trick-or-treating. Stop trick-or-treating, yes, there's those, all these things. things. And so it, there really is a part where you have to allow the old self, the immature self, to die off before you can grow mm -hmm. into the greater potential that the more mature self becomes. Yeah. And it really is, we will retain some characteristics, but there's a big difference between always being a child versus keeping a childlike appreciation for the world. Yes. And so that's the key, and, and we know that. And so death therapy, the other thing there that they're giving that, that whole thing was a truth there, deep psychology that, mm -hmm. that was really sent out by, by many of them, and that is eventually you do have to let a part of you die, and there will be parts you're going to miss. Who doesn't miss the, the freedom of childhood where you don't have all the relationships and the responsibilities that you have to? For sure. And so. Yeah. So. Well, that is, any, any parting thoughts before we end? No. 
that is the end of this discussion now. If you, if you have other things that we missed, we surely did. Our, uh, I only covered about a third of my notes here that I wanted to talk about. That means that uh, we've got the comments section below. Put what you thought in the comments. We'd love to see things that you caught in there and that either stuck out to you or psychological connections. And, uh, and we'd love to connect that and we'll go from there. But uh, until next time, Keep enjoying the movies, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye now. Bye.